Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Ben. Wake up. We got a show oh. to do. Oh, my God. Oh, I like that horn. <laughs> All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, November 10th is brought to you by the Chicago Reader for the latest in all there is to see, drink, taste, and obviously know in the city of Chicago. Go to chicagoreader.com. And today's show is also brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor. All right. Now to our song of the day. Jim sent us an email. It says here, today an appropriate song for Ben would be... (laughs) Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon <laughs> Lightfoot. I didn't know that. Uh, da da Whitefish Bay and the director of the Fitzgerald. That's the sound of the ship going down. I know. I Jim, how about the Whitefish Bay part? I got the Whitefish. Da 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 da. Whitefish Bay and lots of people died in the Fitzgerald. <laughs> No show quite like the Ben Jarofsky show, I tell you. Uh-oh, it's not COVID, it's just a cough. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Al Franken ain't doing that, is he? All right, the Ben Jarofsky show starts now. <laughs> It is Tuesday, November 10th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. And we will be here for a long time. Today on the program, it's the long-awaited return of our dear friend, Mark Sims. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Let's Play Nice Tuesday. And here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D. (laughs) I mean, it was two days ago, so I don't want to touch on it too much. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, I saw a movie. Oh, Catcher was a spy. Good flick. Moberg uh, about the catcher was a spy. Went for a lot of walks. It was a nice day. Hey, I watched out. a movie over the weekend. That's rare, right? Wow. What movie did you see? Uh, there you go. I had to jog your memory a little bit. A little movie called Peanut Butter Falcon. Ever heard of it? Oh, excellent flip. <laughs> Have I ever heard of it? I talked about it on the show. Told you to watch it because of the wrestling theme. And you, at which point you said, nah, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I believe the term was pish posh. <laughs> That's a good flick, isn't it? Oh, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, it was really great. Uh, I don't know why old boy didn't get nominated for an Oscar. Either one of them. 
uh, Sh- what's his name? Shia? Isn't that La- Shia uh, LaBeouf or something? Oh, yeah. Is it Shia or Shia? I usually can't stand the guy, but he did great in that movie. He was awesome. Uh, and the guy who played uh, his friend was excellent, too. I don't know why they didn't get nominated. Anyway, quick flick. So there you go. Uh, Dennis saw a movie. I saw a movie. Went for a walk. Now, other than that, eh, not much else happened this weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's kidding who? I know what happened this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Joey B won. That's correct. Joe Biden won. More specifically, Joe Biden whooped Daddy Trump's booty. That is correct. I know. <laughs> DB agrees. Even Dar- Darren Bailey's conceding right now. I guess he's the lone Republican in the Illinois and in the uh, United States who's conceding. Anyway, I know I should be a better sport. I shouldn't have put it that way, D. Like, uh, how did I put it? Oh, yes, Joe Biden whooped little Donnie's booty. Because you know what? We should be good sports. You know, like the Republicans are. Uh, anyway, uh, in the tat- category of the technicality, uh, Joe Biden didn't technically win on Saturday. What, what happened was that enough votes were counted in enough states that uh, the news media declared him the victor because there's no way Donald Trump can make up the deficit. It happened about 1030 on Saturday, Saturday morning. I got a text from a friend, double checked it just to make sure not that I don't trust every text I get from every friend. Uh, and uh, sure enough, even the wimpy New York Times had uh, called uh, Joe Biden the winner, and I call them the wimpy New York Times because they still cannot bring themselves to declare that Arizona went for Joe Biden. Well, we're not going to do it. We're the New York Times. No paper Fuck shaming. <laughs> You're right. No paper shaming. Wimps. Anyway, uh, any day down New York Times. Nope, not going to do it. Right then and there, D, I started a one-man conga line in my uh, apartment. Uh, yeah, whoa, whoa, yo, yo. You know, you see the conga lines that burst out everywhere in Chicago, Philly, New York, Detroit, everybody, you know, like 20s of people out in the streets. There was me, one man, woo, yo, one-man conga line, one-man conga line, right there in my living room, wearing bedroom slippers and PJs. Because oh. it was 10.30 on a Saturday morning, D, it's early. Come on and join his convoy. <laughs> Come on and join my conga. Hey, what a beautiful sight. All right, confession time. I I, um, I immediately wanted to uh, take a picture of the New York Times headline that said Biden beats Trump. Oh, dude, this, this is a confession time. I really don't want to make this confession. This is just a little secret. I'm just going to keep uh, between the two of us. Okay. But I still haven't figured out how to do a screenshot. I know you were going to teach me. Maybe you did teach me once. I've taught you. I've showed you like four or five times, actually. (laughs) And you're not the only millennial. Many millennials have tried to teach me. You know how millennials talk to baby boomers when they're trying to teach them something about a computer? Like nice millennials, they'll treat you like, talk to you like you're five. Wow, that's you're making progress. We push this little button and then you push that little button. I always forget. I get all excited. I take this. Anyway, I was like two buttons at once. Oh, geez. That's that's just like, whoa. <laughs> that blew my mind right there. So what I did, D, don't let anybody know this. I go, I got to take a picture of this so I have it forever. So I ran upstairs to my little computer, which is so old, doesn't have a camera on it. And I, I know how to do this. I turned on the computer. I went to the New York Times and I took a snapshot of the computer. Oh boy, that's like that's like the 2020 version of putting a uh, a TV, a small TV, on top of a TV that doesn't work. 
Uh, actually, yeah, it's a good analogy. It's true. I've done that too. Uh, and then I just sent that to everybody. Look, he won. Wee! Then back to the conga line, the one man conga line. Come on and join my conga. Hey. That night I watched Joey B's speech. Just crying like a baby. I won't lie to you. Uh, he wasn't my first. He wasn't my second. He wasn't my third world choice. That's a song from the 80s from, by Marvin Gaye. I know nobody knows it but me. My first, my second, my third worker. Ooh. No, Joey B was never in the top five, D. There may have been a moment at one point where I said he was in the top five. Everybody made fun of me. Ooh, it's really stupid, Ben. All right, let's see if I can do this, D. Here we go. The top five for most of the uh, campaign were Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala, Andrew Yang, and then the fifth kind of like just you know what i mean was this that and afterwards i was a huge cory booker fan when it was a little too late remember i came to love cory booker d yeah like, yeah you know, i really miss cory booker and uh so i'm gonna throw him in as my fifth because i loved him so much after the race after he had already announced uh now that he was leaving those were your five yeah i think those were my five one number my five, five. <laughs> cool <laughs> Do you remember it was there another for a while I was uh Jay Inslee of the governor of Washington. He was kind of like I like him because he's talking about climate. Nobody talks about climate. Anyway, the good old days. Oh no! How could I forget? Um the congressman from uh from Texas, whose name I can't remember now. He was on oh, my top. Beto O'Rourke. No, not that guy. He never made the top. I was gonna five. say I always made fun of him. I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, moving on. Doesn't matter who my top five was. It's like to point out that Joey was never on my top five. I am, of course, of the Bernie persuasion, a leftist, and Joey was a centrist. Uh, but uh, I sure love the guy now. And it was a good speech. It was upbeat. He was reaching out to people who didn't agree with him. He didn't call anyone any names, didn't just randomly make stuff up, didn't insult anyone, didn't move people to chant, lock her up didn't call the news fake, didn't call the media the enemy of the people. You know, he kind of was like a grown up in his speech. I liked it so much that when it was over, D, I jumped up and did my one man conga line again. Come on and join my conga. Oh my hey. I can imagine just walking down the sidewalk, looking in your window, who is this weirdo? <laughs> Put pants on, sir. <laughs> By then I had pants on. It was oh, good. eight good o'clock kid. at night. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. It was only in the morning that I had the pajamas on. Come on, D, it was 1030. Okay, not all of us get up early and chop wood. All right? So, uh, <laughs> and smoke a joint. All right, anyway, uh, so then Dang. I woke up. Yeah, I know, that was a little below the belt. Anyway, I woke up to see that Trump had not conceded. He's still filing lawsuits, just like Jimmy Coogan and I predicted. And I, check, I urge everybody to check out that download of uh, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan going over all the lawsuits. And uh, these are long shot lawsuits, Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell won't congratulate Biden. They're all the Republicans are still placating Trump, still pandering to Trump, still afraid of a Trump tweet. And then there's also that matter of the Georgia senatorial showdown. The future of the Senate is hinging on Georgia. Actually, I haven't done a, a looked at this, D, but uh, my favorite Senate race, the one up in Alaska. I, I, we haven't talked that much about it. Uh, David Ferris talked a little about Al Gross uh, is the, uh, well, he's an independent, 
but he says he'll caucus with the Democrats and he's running against, I think the guy's name is Sullivan, who's the uh, Republican. And Alaska is like pretty chill when it comes to counting their votes. Like, I got the feeling that it's just like a lot of stoners up there. Like, ah, I'm done for the day. You know, we counted it. I know we got about, uh, old, you know, 10,000 more, but ah, let's just go watch the sunset. Yeah, old baked Alaska. Am I right? <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, they're taking their time. Last I looked, they had 58% of the vote counted. Nobody's, ch- no threats of lawsuits, no one freaking out. You know, hey, that's Alaska, man. What's the big deal, man? What's the rush? You know? Hey, so, man, I got a vote right here. Hold on. <laughs> All right. All right. Wait, man. That's it for the day. I think I'll go fishing, watch the sunset. Anyway, Al Gross. Still in the hunt. So if Al Gross wins in Alaska, and I admit it's a long shot. By now, maybe it's already over. I scooped again by not paying attention to the news in the morning. Uh, by now, it may be over, but uh, I still hold out hopes that if Al Gross wins, then the Democrats will have 49 seats and win the two. That's 51 in Georgia. So Georgia's very important. So it's not over even when it's over. So, you know, maybe that's why Mitch McConnell is not so fast to concede to Joe. He has to keep this, they're stealing the election from us narrative going, this fictitious little narrative that Donald Trump has imagined. Got to keep it going going with that to fire up MAGA. So I guess I kind of see what they're doing. Very funny column in today's Tribune about this. And I got to give a major a shout out to Rex Hupke. This dude is funny. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, give the guy a raise, Trib. And I'll just read you a few th- of things about it. Rex Hupke is like the liberal guy at the Chicago. I mean, the unabashedly liberal columnist at the Tribune. No apologies about it. He's just the liberal guy. And uh, so uh, here's here's what he wrote. It's pretty funny stuff. Uh, he's talking. Here's the headline. Dear Trump supporters. I'm sorry Biden won. It's definitely my fault that you hate me. I read that. I just started laughing out loud. I'll give you here. Uh, Trump supporters, I feel bad that I've yet to begin my search for common ground with the people who chanted breathlessly for jailing Trump's political opponents. But I guess I was waiting for them to first accept the results of the presidential election. That was rude of me to think. Acknowledging reality should be a prerequisite for me to feel deeply concerned about the emotions of people who think Democrats rigged an election, but forgot to rig it well enough to win back the Senate. I apologize and I hope that with time, the people who still believe former President Barack Obama is a Muslim will forgive me and let me into their lives so I can gain knowledge and understanding. And it goes on like that for a while. Hupke, harden Uh, the paint. No, he's funny. Very funny. You know, and, and what he's saying is absolutely true. Democrats and liberals are always like trying to bend over backwards. To, 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 you know, to understand MAGA voters, to understand Trump voters. We have to really understand them. The fault is with us. I've read so many comps like this. I have to reach out, you know? <laughs> and it's funny because none of them ever talk about like the, the Trump relatives they have. They can't stand them. They're just talking like this mythical Trump supporter that they think they know. Like somebody who just really cares so much about the country but, you know, out of sort of desperation, voted for Trump. But you can bring him back to the Democratic Party. Didn't really work in this last election. Always trying to understand the Trump voter. Yeah. So, you know what, D? I thought it's easy for me to say nice things about Rex Cupley because he's a liberal. He's basically a Democrat. Uh, and I really appreciate his columns. 
So I thought sort of the spirit of reaching out uh, to MAGA that I would say something nice about the MAGA writer uh, at the Chicago Tribune. So um, yeah, I'm about to say uh, something nice about uh, Johnny Cass, the uh, MAGA writer at the Tribune. All so right. here you go. Wait, let me make sure we're recording this. Okay, yes, we are. In fact. Okay, something cool. nice about Johnny Cass. I really love the song "A Boy Named Sue." Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, uh, what you say, D? You mean "Boy Named Sue" is by Johnny Cash, the singer, not Johnny Cass, the MAGA man at the Tribune? Damn, screwed up again, D. <laughs> Just give me a little more time. I'll get back to you with that. We got a great show today, everybody. It's a, such a great show. I'm going to pop. Oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Got a great show. Mark Sims is here. He's got nice things to say about Maggie Nation. Mark Sims, the pride and joy of Finger High, Southside Zone, has his own podcast. He's going to come on and he's going to say nice things about MAGA, even though he voted for Biden. So I'm really curious what nice things he could find to say about uh, MAGA. But before we do that, the young man from home, the man they call Dr. D with the news. Hit that table one more time, buddy. God damn it. (laughs) I love a boy named Sue. You can do it without cursing. How's it going, everybody? One more time. One more time. Oh. Come on and join my conga. Hey! Sorry. Karate master over here just chopping that. I'm Dennis, by the way, guys. How's it going? Uh, a lot of Chicago and or Illinois news to talk about this afternoon, including some news of our own. Isn't that right, Ben Jarofsky? Yes. And uh, let me just say this. You might have known it was a little different at the outset, uh, the introduction. Uh, my um, beloved reader has parted ways with my beloved bright one on the production of the ben jarofsky show it was a collaboration between the reader and the sun times at the outset uh with uh, money uh, very generously donated by some of the unions who supported me when i was fired from that radio station whose name i just can't remember uh and uh wcbta20 that's oh yeah that one uh That's the station where you're allowed to say bad things about Donald Trump, but don't talk about Tony Preckwinkle. And by the way, don't say anything about a tip. Okay, got it. Don't talk tips. Anyway, I um, these the unions came through for me uh, so that Dennis and I could move over and keep our show going as a podcast. That we built this uh, mini empire that we love. Uh, but uh, the unions, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, the money wasn't there to continue to finance us. And so the Sun-Times decided to go its own way. And we are now part of the Reader Network fully and totally. We had a meeting on it yesterday. The Reader's going to set up. I'm going to manifest this. This is what Karen Hawkins tells me. Manifesty. It's not just predicting. Like the column I did the other day for the Reader where I predicted that Biden would win in a tremendous uh, landslide and really didn't happen quite the way I predicted. But as Karen pointed out, that was a manifestation. I was projecting good vibrations to make something happen, D. Okay? So I'm manifesting right now that the Reader Empire will grow. It'll be beyond uh, the Ben Jarowski Show podcast. Love for Karen Hawkins, for instance, to do a podcast on the media. 
Karen, hear that? How about Mike Sula doing a podcast on food? Mike, get to work, huh? How about Leor Galil doing a podcast about music? Carrie Reed doing a podcast about theater. What? Get to work, you guys. Stop goofing around. Lunchtime's over. Yeah, so a lot's going to be uh, going down here in the next month or so. Uh, we're going to be transitioning over to the Chicago Reader. Uh, after the end of the month, we will be gone from the Sun-Times. Uh, the YouTube channel, that the live streamers, uh, we got a process here how we're going to do this in keeping you guys uh, on with us here on the live stream. We're going to be switching over to the Chicago Reader YouTube channel. And throughout this month, we're going to be doing our part twos on the Chicago Reader YouTube channel. So we'll tell all of you to go find us at the Chicago Reader. And hopefully by the end of the month, you're transitioned over into joining us live on the Chicago Chicago Reader YouTube channel rather than the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarofsky Show is still around. Uh, we're going to try a lot of different stuff, though, uh, in the next month as well. Uh, maybe shorter uh, segments, uh, taking all of the content that we bring to you every week and just finding ways to condense it and cut it into shorter little segments and downloadable things. We'll still have interviews. We'll still be doing the local news, but we're going to try and f uh, feature other Chicago Reader uh, features as well. Uh, I know, Ben, uh, a while back we did a Beyond the column segment uh that's something we can bring back where you take a deeper dive into your weekly column um other ideas we would love to hear from you guys uh benny j show at gmail.com b-e-n-n-y the letter j show at gmail.com send us some suggestions of uh we're gonna do like you know episodic things uh you know like a the the uh, movie city so real uh, maybe like a five-part series on City So Real and things like that. We're going to be taking some different avenues, doing some different approaches, but we're still going to be here, all right? And uh, for everybody who downloads, good news, uh, you don't have to resubscribe or anything like that. All of the shows, the archive and everything will switch over to the Chicago Reader, so you kind of really have no big change coming uh, when it comes to your Ben Jarofsky show content. There will be a change, though, in what you may be hearing. Like I said, shorter segments. Uh, still doing the news. We're just going to be exploring in the next few months and uh, seeing uh, where we stand. Isn't that right? Yeah. And we're definitely the city. So real we did with, uh, in uh, April, I think it was, I did a five part series on the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary that ESPN did. I have five different guests uh, come on for individual drops. We're doing that for city. So real. I've already booked Steve James, uh, who's the director of city. So real He's coming on next week. Uh, Neil Salas Griffin, who ran for mayor in 2019 city. So real is a documentary brilliant documentary folks uh about the mayoral race of 2019 2018 2019 then there's an epilogue i've talked about that epilogue already um there's an epilogue that takes a look at what went down this summer so it's a five-part series it's on hulu uh at the national geographics uh, st uh channel and um so yeah, we're gonna have Steve James, who is the director. We'll start with him. Neil Salas Griffin will be in. I'll be reaching out, getting other guests. We'll do a five-part series in that. So it's the Ben Jarofsky show that you've uh, always loved. If you're listening, I assume you loved it. Uh, just without my beloved bright one, and uh, well, I guess that's it, D. We're never gonna be able to go back to that little studio we call home. Well, we got to go one oh. more time at least to grab uh, the City Club certificate. We can't. Oh, yeah, we got to get that. We got to get our Harold Washington my, uh, little <laughs> statue. Um, and a few other things. I'm sure you left a sandwich there or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think you left a bong in the corner. Oh, I did, did leave that leave? bong in the corner, so yeah, we'll get that. <laughs> you know. Hey, although, you know what? Someone at the Mason, sometimes, look, I'm not judgmental. If you want to use Dennis's bong, go ahead. Knock yourself out. It's good with me. Okay, there's, if anyone from the Sun-Times is listening, there's no bong in there. Don't worry. That's, 
Just a little joke we're doing there. A little jokey joke. Don't worry. But no, all right, anyway. Like, like, like I said, though, we're going to be switching over. Uh, we hope all of you will join us uh, in this adventure. Uh, we're going to still be bringing you Ben Jarofsky shows, just taking some different approaches here, and everything will be downloadable at uh, the Chicago Reader website and wherever else you download your favorite podcast moving forward. All right, very good. Now, on to the other news. What do you got for me, Dean? Oh, Wait, you're kidding. What? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, on to the local news. And we begin with these damned Illinois elections that still will not end. My God, make it stop. Actually, we appreciate the content. It's time for more 2020 Illinois general election results. Your 2020 Illinois general election results. Thought that intro would be gone by now, but whatever. First up, it's one week later, and the 14th congressional district race between incumbent Lauren Underwood and her Republican challenger, the ice cream man, Jim Oberweiss, has yet to be decided. Now, according to the most up-to-date report I can find, Underwood led Oberweiss by 1,089 votes as of Monday afternoon, earning 192,472 votes to Oberweiss's 191,383 votes, with 99% of the vote counted. This is according to NBC News. Yeah. We've talked a lot about this one when, um, okay, this is classic. This is classic voter behavior. Uh, most of MAGA voted on election day, so their votes got counted first. Uh, Democrats, as we've been talking about forever, have been relying more on the mail-in vote. So as that mail-in vote is counted, uh, the lead that Oberweiss had on election day has dwindled, dwindled, dwindled. And so it's like, I don't know, D, I'm, I'm trying to manifest that victory for Lauren Underwood. Everyone knows I'm a big fan of Lauren Underwood, and I'm not a big fan in any way of Jim Oberweiss. I think his uh, the campaign uh, he ran was disgusting, abominable, uh, bringing back the riots, trying to blame them on Lauren Underwood, which is just absurd. She had nothing to do with riots that happened uh, in Chicago. And then, of course, uh, joining Trump in Kenosha for that really strange rally uh, in the closing days of the campaign. I don't know what the point was, unless it was just to scare white people uh, in to voting for MAGA. So I, I think it would be it would be like a step back in so many levels of Oberweiss were to prevail. So I'm really rooting for Lauren Underwood. Plus, I just think Lauren Underwood is a super cool candidate. You know, that's a district that went for Trump. She wanted. I, let me I, I got to say this, D. Do it. I remember, was it about two and a half years ago? I was talking to a source of mine who will remain anonymous because these sources don't want to be identified. Hey, anonymous like source, a, how's it going? <laughs> I'm going to be like a Tribune reporter or a Sometimes reporter. Well, sources close to the Democratic Party told me. They said, would like projecting. They're all like the smart people. The Democratic Party were projecting like who had a chance to win because they were really trying to remember they were trying to uh, uh, to win the House, take back the House. And they're like, which seats were flippable? And they said to me, I remember uh, a very knowledgeable person saying, no, don't don't invest your campaign money in Lauren Underwood. She can't win or that. She's not a likely winner something like that. And then as people saw how what a compelling campaigner she was, and how broad her appeal was, uh, and, and the easygoing way in which she 
could communicate with people, people said, hmm, Dems are going, hey, maybe she can win. And yes, she was victorious. MAGA staged a rally in this uh, election, D, as you know. That's why Jimmy Overweis went up to Kenosha, wanted to fire up MAGA. And uh, so that's why it's so close. My hope is, uh, I got a, I think it was Frank just sent me an article, which uh, I had seen already, but thanks for sending it, Frank, from the Daily Herald. They think the outstanding votes are mostly uh, in Democratic strongholds. So my guess is that uh, Lauren Underwood will prevail, but it's too close to call at the moment. So, D, hold on. Let me just do a little manifestation for Lauren Underwood. Okay. Uh, I learned this. You manifest things. It's like millennials know about this. I'm a little slow to learn about it. I learned about manifestation uh, faster than I learned about how to do a screenshot. So give me credit for that, all right? Hold on. I'm manifesting. There we go. Yeah. Heck yeah. That manifestation brought to you by Ben Jarofsky. I started doing like Trump. You know, I'm going to, there's parts of me that kind of like what Trump's windmill is still one of my favorite bits from the last four years. Because I got a feeling that, oh, this is going to be embarrassing, that, you know, Trump and I are kind of like, I bet as a little kid, he was in his room going, making weird noises, just like I was. Yeah. Mark Sims. Folks, we all got started in our rooms making weird noises into tape recorders. Any person speaking to a microphone who doesn't admit that is a liar. <laughs> liar. <laughs> Everybody started like in the room. But maybe you were imitating the person you heard on the radio. Maybe you were imitating uh, John Records Landecker. That's a name. He's like, huh, what? Maybe you were imitating, I don't know, um, Ron Bertoni, Larry Lujak, Tommy Edwards. But you were imitating somebody you heard on the radio. Richard Pegee, the great Richard Pegee. Anyway, D, so um, hold on. Just one last manifestation for Lauren Underwood. All right, there we go. And I'll hand it over to you. Hold on, I'm just manifesting right now. Go, go, go. Got it. Take it away, D. Another manifestation brought to you by <laughs> Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Illinois election officials said Monday that more than 344,000 mail ballots have been returned, but not yet counted statewide, while the number of mail ballots not returned stood at more than 318,000. Still talking about this Oberweiss and uh, Underwood race, by the way. Thousands of those ballots that have not yet been counted are from voters in the counties within the 14th district, Lake McHenry, Kane, Kendall, DeKalb, Will, and DuPage counties. Still, Oberweiss declared victory on Wednesday, less than 24 hours after polls were closed when he had a lead of roughly 1,300 votes. Underwood's campaign pushed back on that assertion, disputing his early claim of victory, saying, quote, Jim Oberweiss doesn't get to call the election. The voters do. Yeah, good. That was a good line. I remember reading that. Go, ah, that's a good line. Who came up with that? Whoever came up with that, give that person a raise and take it out of petty cash. All right, there are other races out there that are still too close to call, even one week later. And here's one we've yet to talk about. 
the Senate race between incumbent and dear friend of the Ben Jarofsky show, Rob Martwick, and his Republican challenger, Anthony Beckman. Now, Beckman has conceded in the race, but the votes are still being counted. Martwick's lead over Beckman has grown as the election officials continue to count mail-in and provisional ballots. About 3,000 votes now separate them, but I spoke with Martwick campaign spokesman and Illinois political know-it-all Danny P. Dan Pogoshelsky this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And according to Danny P., who can marry you, by the way. Yes, he can, and he will. He says that Martwick is now up by 5,000 votes. And holy crap, this election has been a nail-biter. On election night, the race was separated by about 80 votes. Yes, I uh, I talked to young Rob Martwick on Saturday, D. I called him up just to chat with him, book him for the show. You know, me, always booking. I'm a booking machine. And uh, he had said uh, that Beckman had very graciously reached out uh, and conceded the race. See, that's how you do it, Trump. That's how you do it. When you lose, you make a concession. And it hurts. It stings. I know this. Do you know how many times I've been on the losing side of an election? Try every mayoral election from 1987 to, oh my God, 2019 was the last. <laughs> That's the only time Chicago agreed with me. I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, I did. I did. I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Got my issues with the mayor right now, but I did vote for her. But that's a quite a stretch, D. Help me out with the math here. You're good at math. Oh, you went I'm great to, uh, at it. Yeah, throw some numbers at me. That is 30, 32 years <laughs> voting for losing candidates. You didn't see me crying, Daddy Trump, huh? Daddy, did you see me weeping? Did you see me going to court to overturn the election? Oberweiss thinks he's slick. Every Oberweiss is like 74 years old. He's run five or six times. Oberweiss knows how elections work. Here's how elections work. People vote and then they count the votes. And the person with the most votes is the winner. Unless, of course, it's a presidential election, uh, in which case we have this crazy electoral college scheme where you can win even by losing. Like Donald Trump and George W. Bush. And Donald Trump is hoping it will happen this year as well. But the point is, it's like you have to count the votes before you officially know, to, you, before you can officially declare someone has won. Now, if you count the votes and you see that there's no path to victory, even though there's outstanding votes to be counted, then you concede. For instance, I'm thinking right now, Willie Wilson. I know we're going to be talking about him in a little while. Willie Wilson ran for Senate against uh, Richard Dick Durbin and Mark Curran, and he lost. They're still counting votes in the Senate race, just like they're counting votes in Lauren Underwood's race. It's just that obviously with the outstanding votes are not enough to enable Willie Wilson to overcome, I don't know, Durbin's up by like a million votes. So this notion that somehow or other, you just declare yourself the winner because the early returns are you winning, that's like fiction. You just made that up, Overweiss. But that's, he's just, you know, that's what Donnie did. Donnie, want, Donnie was the early leader in Pennsylvania, so he declared, that's it, I won. Well, there's still more, ah, no, I won. Meanwhile, in Arizona, 
where Biden was ahead. Keep counting those votes. See, the Republicans act stupid, but they're not that stupid. You know, they get the principle, D. That's why they're making one argument in Arizona and a completely different one in uh, Pennsylvania and in the case of Jim Oberweiss. So with uh, Rob Barwick, yeah, the votes are being counted. Anthony Beckman saw that he had no path to victory, so he did the gracious thing and he conceded. I'm sure it wasn't easy. I'm sure it was painful. I'm sure it was difficult. I don't know if it was any more painful or difficult. How about this, D? Huh? Election night, 2015, at the hideout. McDumkey and I, all right, here, we're going to have we're gonna have an election. Tim Tutton, here's what you're going to do. You have an election night at the hideout. The votes will be counted. They'll be coming in while you're on stage. You have guests that can talk about them. It's a great idea. Yes, sir, Timmy T. So we're at the hideout. That, <laughs> that night, the election was over like a half an hour. Ken Davis was in the, uh, he was our, he was the guy we uh, picked to uh, announce the votes. That was a wise choice because Kenny D is a master of the internet. So he goes, I can't, it looks like Rom is one. It's like 7.30. We still have an hour to kill. I'm so depressed I want to drink. But I had to go on with the show. I had uh, Maya Pawar was there. Pat Dow. They love Rom. They're wearing Rom t-shirts. <laughs> I'm stuck on stage. So I know what it's like, Beckman. I know what it's like to uh, when your guy loses. So you did the right thing. My hat's off uh, to Beckman for conceding. And um, yeah, Markwick's going to, Markwick says when all is said and done, he'll think he'll get like 53, 54% of the vote, which is kind of what you would have expected from uh, an area on the northwest side of Chicago uh, that has quite a, mm, a sizable chunk of MAGA voters in it, D. And Martwick, of course, is a liberal Democrat and doesn't shy away from that. So congratulations to Senator, not Representative D. Don't make that mistake. Senator Rob Martwick. Yes, congratulations. We look forward to your Google Meet interview soon, Mr. Martwick. And there you are, some down-to-the-wire 2020 Illinois general election results. Your 2020 Illinois general election results. Results, results, results. Who knows? We may be doing this till Christmas, guys. No, anyway. Um, now we no, do. Underwood could go to Christmas. Could go. Could go a long time. Now we have some 2020 Illinois general election statistics to talk about. Ooh. Who from where voted for what and why? Huh? First up, the Illinois fair tax proposal. And hey, here's something not surprising at all. Most people outside the city of Chicago pretty much hated it. The following comes from WBEZ and another good friend of the program, Mr. Alden Lowry. In Chicago, most voters were supportive of the measure with more than 71% voting yes for fairness. The greatest support came from the city's majority black wards, where more than 82% voted for the graduated income tax, but support for the graduated income tax waned outside the city. And the farther away voters were from Chicago, the more they voted no 
for fairness. In suburban Cook County, 53% for the measure and 47% opposed it. In the surrounding five collar counties, DuPage, Kane, Lake Henry, or Lake, McHenry, and Will counties, just 42% voted yes, while 58% voted no. And in the remainder of the state, just 33% of voters supported the proposed constitutional amendment and 67% voted against it. In downstate counties that went for Trump in the presidential election, support for the graduated income tax was even lower at just 28%. This is all according to the WBEZ analysis. Wow. So much to unpack here. By the way, I just wanted to say that I did my own analysis, which uh, is being edited at the reader as we speak. Hold on, I'll I'll cue you in on what the editing process sounds like at the reader. Sounds a little like this. Here we go. They're editing my story right now. Okay, that's how you edit my story. Oh, now, come on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, I did my own analysis, took a look at some numbers, give Alden credit, Alden, the great Alden Lowry. Remember, D, uh, when he showed up at the studio, we were each wearing Oh, purple. you were the purple boys. Yeah, and I was like, Alden, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go home. Um, we cannot be wearing the same colored shirts. And they were uh, both goes, polo shirts, both purple polos. The purple polo <laughs> boys. <laughs> I love Alden Lowry. Uh, he's really smart, and I got to bring him back to the show. Come on, Alden, come on back. Uh, but uh, I did my own analysis of Chicago vote, and yeah, you know it's it's really uh, interesting. Those downstate twenty. See, here's fair tax. This is so how bizarre politics are in the country, but uh, in Illinois in particular, somehow the MAGA uh, adopted the uh, vote no on fair tax crusade even though even though <laughs> it would amount to a tax break for people who make the least amount of money so the tax hike would go on the wealthiest people in the state and i don't know how many of the wealthiest people in the state are in maga country downstate you know, Kenny G doesn't live downstate. Kenny Griffin, the man, the hedge fund gazillionaire who financed the opposition. Phyllis doesn't even live downstate. Phyllis, of course, the retiree from Park Ridge, uh, who uh, has <laughs> with the voice of opposition uh, and uh, has also announced that she's cutting a uh, CD with Ice Cube. Yeah, it'll be really good. They're going to be singing Christmas songs together. Yeah, Phyllis and Ice Cube. <laughs> Yeah, jingle bells, jingle. Come on, fellas. Jingle all the way. <laughs> Fairness. Oh, fellas. I don't know. Phyllis and Ice Cube. That was a huge combination for MAGA this year. Anyway, so I, yeah, I, um, it's called voting against your own interest. And I, I, I put this out there in a column. Just imagine if for whatever reason, Donald Trump had decided to embrace the fair tax. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, effectively, if, if the Democrats had flipped the message, which I urge them to do, and of course, Democrats don't listen to me, and said it's a tax cut, if the Democrats had promoted that as the chief message of the fair tax, that it's a tax cut for the Bens and the Dennis's of the world, and, uh, you know, everybody who's not rich, then you could conceive of a universe where Donald Trump might embrace it. Oh, it's a tax cut. So just, or maybe this got confused or maybe he just 
you know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. He just tweeted out, vote yes, fair tax. You know, also out of nowhere, became a supporter of Blagojevich. Rob Blagojevich, you know, was the poster child for everything wrong with the Democratic Party in Illinois. Republicans in Illinois hated him. Donald Trump said, tweeted out, I like Blagojevich. Then he commuted a sentence. Now Republicans love Blago. He's a hero. As we say on the show many times, there's DB and there's RB, Darren Bailey and Rob Blagojevich, one, two in the Republican Party in the state of Illinois right now. Can't think of anybody more popular. Certainly not Mark Curran, the guy who was running for state for Senate, for U.S. Senate. So what if Trump had done that? Then like guys, MAGA guys down state, well, what? Donald told me to vote for it. If Donnie says vote for it, I'll vote for it. Could you imagine that, D? All of a sudden, like MAGA would be voting for the fair tax. It would actually work to their advantage. Like all that 28% no, uh, 20, excuse me, the 28% for the yes, it would be, do the math, 72%. Nice. Yes, uh, come on. I'm with Tavis in high school. Come on, D. I went to Tavis in high school, all right? Okay, I only graduated thanks to social promotion, but I still went there. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, I uh, really, that, that MAGA vote downstate just had me shaking my head. It's just like the fair tax would work to the advantage of many people who live downstate, but in their minds, opposition was a MAGA thing, so they voted no. That's where we're at. And I think the Democrats did a pretty terrible job of messaging. That's how they always say it. The messaging, Ben, could be better. By the way, Misha Patel will be coming on the show later today. We'll probably be discussing that. That'll be one of those night drops, 7 o'clock. We'll be dropping that, right, D? Uh, yeah, the, and also uh, we're going to try and do it on the uh, Chicago Reader YouTube as well. Be on the lookout for that live stream chat. Yeah, so anyway, so the uh, uh, the initiative lost heavily. Uh, it was drubbed uh, downstate. Do you have any more on this initiative before I give you a trivia question? Well, okay, well, uh, I got I do have a little bit here, and I tell you, Go ahead. Th this year Go ahead. keeps getting crazier and crazier, Ben, because who saw this coming? We're about to give a shout out to Democratic Illinois State Rep Will Gazzardi. <laughs> My God. <laughs> What's now? next? Flying cars? <laughs> Gazzardi took to Twitter recently with an awesome retweeted color coded election map highlighting which areas in the city voted against the fair tax. And okay. once again, Something not surprising at all. It was downtown, River North, and Lincoln Park, some of the wealthiest areas in Chicago. Ben, you had the chance to look at that, right? Well, no, I didn't look at uh, his. I did my oh. own analysis. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. okay. I don't need Gazzardi to tell make, me about Chicago. He makes his own news, all right? The Jarofsky <laughs> Times. <laughs> Will Gazzardi. Uh, yes. State representative from uh, Logan Square, I want to say, right? Logan Square. Yeah, I spent the uh, weekend, this is really geeky, going over the uh, numbers. And by the way, they're still being updated, as I was just saying. So like if you go on Saturday, it's one set of numbers. Sunday, it's number. Here's a radical reality. Just try to wrap your head around this one, Oberweiss and Trump. They're counting votes. Yeah, they don't just stop counting votes when you're winning. Look, that's it. Oberweiss is Edwards. No, they continue to count the votes. That have been cast. Whoa, that that blew your mind, Oberweiss and Trump. <laughs> Trump's like, whoa, give me the bung. Yeah, so, uh, but the, the basic uh, themes are there. Actually, I'll give Gazzardi credit uh, for noting, 
pretty good because already that's the downtown wards, the wealthy wards uh, voted to a large degree against. Or, well, no, it's actually not even true. I'm looking. No, they did vote over a majority of them voted, but the, they did not have the largest no vote in the city. We're not from the downtown wards. And where USD was the largest no vote in the city of Chicago for the fair tax? I was just about to ask that. I was just about to ask that. Hold on. That's the drum roll. Yep. Great drum roll. I know. Okay, you want me to hear me do uh, wipeout? That was the the music on Ben's conga line over the weekend. (laughs) Come on, enjoy my conga. Hey, hit it up, beautiful. All right. The ward. With the largest no vote in the city of Chicago was the 41st ward on the far northwest side of Chicago. Who's the alderman? Who's the alderman? Napolitano. Come on. Anthony Napolitano loves MAGA. It's a MAGA country. Uh, They, uh, let's see, Donnie. How did Donnie do in the 41st? Hold on, D. I'll tell you right now. Oh, wait. Don't you have that coming up in your news? Don't want to step on your coattails there, big guy. Uh, Other Other statistics show that the 41st ward was split on the presidential election. It was one of the most narrowly divided in the city, where 50.87% of the vote went to former Vice President Joe Biden compared to 47.5% for President Donald Trump. Yes. Thank you. I knew that. Uh, at one point, early votes, Tribune got a little excited about this. You know, the Tribune still got that Republican roots. And the early vote, Tribune was feeling like very overweiss and uh, Trump. For a moment, they like didn't realize that they get the, you got to still count the votes. The early vote showed that uh, Trump was winning in the 41st ward. So the Tribune Minister, there's one Trump ward in Chicago. But the vote that's coming to uh, over to the mail in the mail uh, has put Biden over the top. No, the 41st ward, 61% of the people voted no. And this one really on the fair tax just drives me nuts because there's so many city workers who live in the 41st ward. There's so many police officers and firefighters and teachers. And there's so many retired firefighters, police officers and teachers and your pensions are funded by state government and your pensions are taxed by state government. So if you raise the income taxes on the wealthiest people in the state, you're going to have a source of money to fund your pensions. So it just would be like self-interest for you to vote yes, but no, because you're following MAGA, they just do it. MAGA tells me you voted no. You like metaphorically voted to cut your own throat. D, I address this in the reader. I have vowed not to shame voters. No voter shaming. No voter shaming. No paper shaming. No. Did they paper shame already? Yes, the New York Times. Oh, heck of a job on Arizona, New York Times. Not gonna call it. We're not gonna call it. And you had that Johnny Cash thing earlier. I love Boy Named Sue. Oh, yeah. You don't like Boy Named Sue? <laughs> Great song. It is a great song, Shel Silverstein. Let's just have a moment, just just a moment to pay homage to the great Shel Silverstein. As Dennis can tell you, he graduated from Roosevelt High School, which is not far from where Dennis lives. It's not far from where Dennis is producing this show right now. The great Shel Silverstein, pride and joy, Albany Park. Anyway, 41st Ward. <sighs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, yes. And tough news to swallow for senatorial candidate and, yes, also 
friend of the Ben Jarofsky show, Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson lost all 18 black wards in the U.S. Senate race. Election data shows that Wilson finished second to Dickie D. Dick Durbin in all 18 black wards, but ahead of Republican candidate Mark Curran Jr. overall. Durbin received 70% of the vote in 16 black wards and won over 80% of the vote in the fourth and fifth wards. There were 16 black wards where Wilson received less Uh, less than 20% of the vote. And statewide, Wilson received 4% of the vote below the 5% needed to give his Willie Wilson party official standing in Illinois. Yeah, so let's let's deal with this. First of all, uh, we are good friends with Willie Wilson. So Willie, um, I know it must hurt. so, you know, some good thoughts to you. Willie Wilson, good friend of the show. He didn't shy away from coming on the show, D, just because we didn't see eye to eye ideologically. No, sir. Right? came on the show and he would still come on the show if I reached out to him. So, you know, that's good. Uh, But I just want to address something here. This notion, and this is part of the Republican strategy. I talked, by the way, in the article, I wrote a lot about the black vote, but this is one aspect of that I didn't uh, reflect on in that article. This is a notion that Republicans have come up with, and I could just see their minds working on this. Hey, boss, here's what we're going to do, talking to Donnie. Hey, boss, this is what we do. We'll get a black guy on the ballot. Follow me on this, boss. Follow me where I'm going with this. Black people will realize it's a black guy and they'll vote for him because he's a black guy. And Donnie's like, whoa, that's genius. Get Kanye West to run. That's it. Republicans were like getting singers. Kanye West was out of his freaking mind. Who should not be running for president because he's should be dealing with being out of his mind, who, by the way, by the way, I should say this, Kanye, if you want to contribute money to Ben Jarosky, show, we'll take your money. He's a billionaire, D. Anyway, you know what? That's the kind of unpredictable, wacky thing Kanye West will do. Ah, what's I'll give it to that D guy and his show and the weird hippie guy. Anyway, they thought, hey, boss, we put Kanye West on the ballot and uh, black guys will see Kanye West. Oh, that's Kanye West. The rapper, the clothes designer, the celebrity. Oh, I'll vote for him because, you know, I'm not paying attention. I'm clueless. That's that's how Republicans are thinking it. So they were going around, like, gathering signatures to put Kanye on the ballot, fighting attempts by the Republicans to kick him off the ballot. This is part of their strategy. Boy, did that flop. And to a certain degree, I heard Republicans talk about Willie Wilson. Here's what's going to happen. Willie Wilson's going to siphon off black votes from Dick Durbin, and Mark Curran's going to win. <laughs> oh, my God. Willie Wilson, um, I mean, uh, Richard uh, Durbin got 75 76% of the blo- vote in the black wards, D. I mean, it's not like black people are stupid. Like, I mean, it's, you know, they're not going to vote for Willie Wilson just because he's black. Just like they're not going to vote for Kanye West just because he's black. So it didn't really work. Uh, and uh, but I will say, I, did Willie, Willie Wilson outpolled Curran in the in Chicago, didn't he? Did I, did, did I see that? He beat the Republican in Chicago. Yep. So hats off to Willie Wilson. Uh, Mark Curran is one of the worst Senate candidates I'd ever seen. We didn't even really talk about him. He was the one who denigrated John Lewis because John Lewis was a uh, supporter of Planned Parenthood. So right after John Lewis, the great congressman, uh, civil rights leader, died, uh, Kern gave these comments about 
how he was responsible for the death of so many black people. So many really weird, trippy stuff. Like this is a guy who never lifted his finger on the f- cause of civil rights in his life is denigrating the great John Lewis. So congratulations, uh, Durbin and Willie. Uh, I know you'll be okay. So yes, uh, that, that strategy failed. Dude. All right. At this moment, there is a giant bus waiting outside for our elected democratic leaders of Illinois, a bus waiting to roll over our democratic Illinois house speaker, Michael Joseph Madigan. <laughs> and after our interview with Mark Sims, we're going to find out who else has jumped on board over the weekend. And we will have quotes from our democratic Madigan defenders. That's right. Madigan's been reaching out, trying to get some support. And we have quotes from those who are supporting Mike Madigan and all this that's going to be coming up after our interview with the one and the only mr mark sims but let's end it out with the governor the enemy is you okay see you're still a little grumpy about the fair tax mr pritzker <laughs> my goodness oh come on man it's i'll tell you what it's not D. you've never lost you don't know what it's like. To oh lose yeah, I've shit. never lost. I've never been a loser. <laughs> never. Well, you, By the way, for dinner tonight, spaghettios. Whoa, I'm pumped. coming over. Pumped. <laughs> uh, the other, what was the thing I said to you the other day? Uh, if I give you money, are you gonna go blow it all in chicken? <laughs> no, it's a funny line. <laughs> a little inside joke. Nobody will get it. Anyway, D, go ahead. Today, Governor J.B. Pritzker is at the Thompson Center for his daily COVID-19 update. And hey, guys, stop me if you've heard this before. Governor J.B. Pritzker announced Monday that he's imposing new restrictions on southern Illinois counties in an attempt to slow the spread of COVID-19. Pritzker said Region 5, which encompasses southern Illinois, along with Regions 7 and 8, encompassing Chicago's south and western suburbs, will enter into Tier 2 mitigations on Wednesday. And if you followed along long enough with these stories, you know what's coming up next. All together, everyone. <laughs> Republican <laughs> resistance. That is correct. <laughs> DB. Uh, Representative uh, Dave Severin, Republican representative out of Marion, Illinois, said he continues to have concerns about Pritzker's mitigation strategy. Severin said he understands the virus is real and a serious health threat. He and his wife both recently recovered from COVID-19. But Severin said he's been particularly concerned that one sector of the economy, bars and restaurants, have been asked to shoulder the brunt of the sacrifice, while Illinois Department of Public Health data shows there are numerous other potential sources of spread. Yeah, sorry. We're this this thing. You know, it's funny. This story never I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic, but in a weird way, it's like I know some Dems like as soon as Biden won, they're like, well now the pandemic's over. <laughs> they're so happy that Biden I hate to break it to you, but uh, pandemic's still here. hmm Notice that Biden's speech he came out with a big old mask. Kamala Harris with the mask. Kamala Harris is husband with the mask, Joe Biden's wife with the mask. At one point, Joe Biden didn't put the mask on when all the family was gathering. My wife was, put your mask on. Yeah, we're in a pandemic. Hasn't ended. Really bizarre attitudes toward the pandemic, D. Uh, It's just, it's so difficult and challenging. So weird. Uh, if I may talk about sports, and by the way, one of the great things is that we're doing a lot more sports uh, shows in the future. D's all excited about that. Um, but uh, <laughs> he's actually a pretty big sports fan. You didn't know, well, at least basketball fan. 
Uh, but anyway, Dennis, uh, I don't know if you noticed this over the weekend. Big win for Notre Dame. Well, shout out to uh, Notre Dame. Not a fan, but big win for Notre Dame. Uh, they defeated Clemson, which is the number one ranked team in the country. The game was played uh, it, uh, in South Bend. And fans, there were fans there. It's, and, you know, it's, they leave it up to the individual schools working with the states, uh, Indiana's MAGA. So, yeah, sure, go to the football game. So the fans all rush on the field. They're all pictures of them jumping around, hugging. Um, guys, in pandemic, hello. If you infect the players, they can't play. Well, apparently also <laughs> coming to the Chicago Reader with us, uh, Ben's Valley Girl impression. Boy, that's not going anywhere. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Actually, uh, I'm not going to say the origins of that. Although the, the person who originated that, hello, will be a guest on the show next week. Ooh. So, yeah, I am um, not quite uh, understanding how long it's going to take people in this country to realize we're in the middle of a pandemic. And you figure it, Notre Dame would know because their uh, president, if you recall, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, got the virus when he showed up at uh, Amy Coney Barrett's White House reception. He was one of the people who caught the uh, the virus at the reception and he apologized for not wearing his mask. <laughs> So now he's sternly lecturing the students at North at uh, Notre Dame, like, uh, don't do as I do, do as I say. Uh, so yeah, so people are really just in various stages of denial. And uh, this state rep is looking out for the restaurants and the bars. They have a lot of allies, they have a lot of support. You know, it's a huge industry. I feel for them. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not, I just, believe that bars in particular i'm not you know I'm, I'm a little weak when it comes to restaurants i come on jp can't you just relax the restaurants a little bit with social distancing i know i'm not about to go but i'm really nervous i'm not i just uh -oh. believe that uh -oh. bars in, I'm not, you know, mark I'm, sims Turn your radio down. <laughs> Mark Sims has joined us. It's like the old days in radio. Uh, caller uh, Billy Bob from Cicero. You're like, Billy Bob, could you turn your radio down? And then the guy, like, like the radio host would be so like, I'm so annoyed at you, Billy Bob. Billy Bob, turn your radio down. Okay? Hey, Mark. You, that oh, Mark dropped away. You have to leave. Oh, you made Mark, Mark upset. Harumph. Not Billy Bob from Cicero. Mark Sims. All right. Anyway. Mark's going to be calling us back. And uh, oh, sorry. Anything you wanted to say there before we. Uh... No, just saying uh, that we'll, I'm sure we will be discussing this for many days to come, D. Many days to come. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break here. Make sure to follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. And you can call us, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Call The Ben Jarofsky Show, leave us a voicemail, and if you watch your language, and if it's a great voicemail, there's a good chance we'll play it. Once again, we want to remind everybody, throughout the month of November, we are transitioning over to the Chicago Reader YouTube channel, and the Chicago Reader is picking up The Ben Jarofsky Show. Uh, so be on the lookout for different things we're going to be doing, shorter segments, uh, just a bunch of different ideas, and we will be doing our part twos, uh, a lot of our part twos, not all of them, a good majority of them, on the Chicago Reader YouTube channel as well. So be on the lookout for that as 
well. Find the Chicago Reader on YouTube. Subscribe, like, all that good stuff. And hopefully this transition will be as smooth as possible. All right, we're taking a break. And when we come back, our good friend Mark Sims returns. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my attic and... Oh, I'm sorry, his attic and my apartment. I'll get it right. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Mark Sims, the pride and joy of Finger High, the pride and joy of the south side of Chicago. Uh, the host of his own show. Just a few questions with Mark Sims. Mark, are you there, young man? Can't, well, can you hear me? Dennis, yeah, I can yep. hear you. It's, your, it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm sharing a little inside information, destroying the fourth wall, as they say. The image of you on the Google Meet is frozen. So it's just, just a frozen image. You haven't moved at all. You're like Mike Pence in the debate when the fly landed on his head. You haven't moved at all. I'm like, is he there? Is he there? We're live. We'll see. But I'm not what, for what? What's that? I'm not moving. How about now? Oh, now you're moving. There There's he Mark is. Sims. There he is. But all I right. Can't, I can't see you, Ben. Uh, well, that's because Mike. <laughs> by the way, I got an email from a listener uh, who I've been noting that Mike. Computer soul it doesn't have a camera. She very graciously said that if I brought my computer to her office, her IT guy would install a camera. How about that? It's a very nice uh, listener. I, uh, I may just go out and buy a new computer or take her up on that, whatever. All right. Mark Sims is known to be uh, of the contrarian persuasion. Uh, everybody goes one way. He goes the other way. So uh, 90, no, 82% of Chicago voted for uh, Joe Biden uh, and only 16% voted for Donnie Trump. So I'm wondering, uh, Mark Sims, born in Chicago, raised in Chicago, lives in Chicago, proud graduate of Finger High School, one of the greatest graduates in the history of that school. So I need to know, are you part of the 82% that was dancing in a conga line? Are you part of the 16% that's sulking and demanding a recount in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Mark Sims. Benny J, I was not any, I was no conga line. That was for sure. You can hear me, right? Yes, yeah, you sound loud and clear. Yeah, that's the main thing. No, no I, you know, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. You know, come on. I drank the Kool-Aid, the Kamala <laughs> Kool-Aid, the Joe Biden Kool-Aid. It was tasty. So I voted for them. Were you excited? No, I, you know, I'm not. I, as I get older, I get more jaded, right? Uh-huh. I was really, I was kind of depressed or saddened that uh, the Democrats couldn't just win outright that Senate. I wonder when that Senate, we got to go to January. For- yeah. Well, we still have Georgia, uh, as we're going to be talking a lot about the two Senate races in Georgia. And there's my guy, Al Gross, in Alaska. I may be the only person following that one. But there's still a chance that Democrats could win in Alaska, Mark. I know you're a big fan of Al Gross on the Alaskan Democratic Party. Go ahead, Dennis. Uh, Mark, can you actually uh, crank her up a little bit, your volume? That's what I'm saying. I can't, I can't hear myself. I'm freaking out. Yeah, how yeah. Sound, how do, how you might want to take the headphones off. How does it sound now? It sounds great. That it sounds sound much better. better. It sounds really good. Yeah, I'm using my podcast equipment, and I don't have the expertise Dennis has. No, you need to hire Dennis as your producer. Uh, so, you were you're jaded. You voted. Well, I really, you know, I'm, I was somewhat delusional. I thought there would be a, a stronger rejection of Donald Trump. I thought he would get maybe forty two percent. What did he get? Forty seven percent. 
Mm-hmm, something like that. And a lot of folks, and of course, more people came out. A lot of folks came out to vote for this one. This is one to not stand by on the sidelines. You have to vote in this election. And a lot of folks came out the woodwork and uh, they came out and voted for Donnie Trump. And it, it's amazing. I, I would love those, have those people. I would love to have those people. The 70 million, probably not all of them, but percentage, the percentage of that 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump in the last election. Well, how explain to me or anybody, how do they how can they vote for a bigot that's destroying democracy and uh, and weakening this country? Uh, Well, it is a great question. I have no answer for that. Um, Donald Trump absolutely made it clear where he stood on pretty much every issue where he stood in regard. Everybody who was against uh, who dared to criticize him, he immediately insulted pretty much wage rhetorical war on every prominent black person in this country, Mark, when you think about it. But even, you could barely say anything nice about John Lewis after John Lewis died. And uh, so why he expected that he would win a significant number of black support, it's sheer delusion on his part. He did win 18%, didn't he? No. Absolutely not. Wait, that's oh my what, I, Okay, I, I defer to the boss. The boss knows you, Benny J. You, I thought last time I heard it was like eighteen percent. No, of, that's that's you don't that. Me. Okay, now now this this is one of my favorite themes, Mark Sims. Okay, so here, follow me on this, Mark Sims, and you help me out here. We all know polls are flawed, to put it mildly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you're basing that 18%, and that's 18% of men, I think. That's right, me. Okay, amen. Okay. So you're basing that on some exit poll. Now, I, I please help me out here. Why are we not why are we supposed to trust exit polls, but not pre-election polls? Why is one gospel and the other if take a look at real election results? Which ward do you live in? You're in the 8th, right? 21st. 21st. Okay, the 21st ward. I happen to have it right here. You're in Chicago. I'm I'm reading the national. uh, Oh, God. Here we go again. (laughs) Here we go. I've been hearing this. The uh, the, uh, tax, the uh, fair tax. uh, The fair taxes, except for the affluent wards and sections of Chicago, everybody else voted for the fair tax. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you this. Do you think the black, the black, the, the fair tax vote in the city of Chicago black wards was 82% in favor of the fair tax? That's what Alden Lowry said. Yes. So do you think it was significantly different in the black precincts of East St. Louis? It, sh- it shouldn't be. Okay. Yeah, you know, we're not a monolith. Ben. No. Yeah. You're not a monolith. 18% voted no. That's not a monolith. It's 82% had sense. Here, let me give you this. Let me give you this number. In your ward, the eighth ward, are you ready for this? No, 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 I'm 21st, but do the eighth. Oh, right? 21st? 21st, I got that. Not 96% of the vote for Joe Biden. That's right. <laughs> okay. So Donnie got 3.2% of the vote. How can you, I know there's a lot of bashing of black men these days. It happens all the time. But how can you work that out? It's mathematically impossible. We're Chicago. I was born and raised here. Chicago's a different planet. Now, when you go outside a place like Chicago, it's less segregated. A lot of men are uh, 
I'm not saying, I'm going to say not a lot of men, but some men are military. So I bet you the profile of the average, I'm not saying anything negative. I don't have any scientific data to back this up. This is me talking, Mark Sims. The pro, the pro, um, a lot of black men who vote uh, uh, for the Republican Party are probably have a history in their family of being Republicans. Some are military. Some hate themselves. <laughs> Some people believe in, you know, they're business owners. There's a lot of different reasons and they're all legitimate. It's all good. It's like you go to a military town. I remember I was in San Diego like 20 years ago, whatever. And I see a lot of brothers with, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not against integrative integration marriage. I'm not against that. I think about ooh, 20 something, 25% of black men marry outside their race. I'm not saying that's bad, but I saw a lot of it in San Diego where the military base is. So a lot of brothers are military, the integrationists, which is nothing wrong with that. They, they love their country and they're Republicans. So, and then you have some black men that just hate, I, I think some of us, they hate women and meaning like Kamala Harris. I mean, I, I have to wrestle with my own little probably misogyny deep down in my brain because I, I, I voted for Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. I think she's wonderful, uh, but some name right. <laughs> Maybe because she's a politician, you know what I'm saying? And just like Joe Biden, I don't particularly care for Joe Biden, but you, you got to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, well, I, uh, I stand politics. by it. This is politics. Uh, the uh, black voters in Milwaukee put Biden over the top in Wisconsin. Thank you. Black voters in Detroit put Biden over the top in Michigan. Thank you. Black voters in Philly put Biden over the top in Pennsylvania. Thank you. Black voters in Georgia put him over the top. It looks like uh, in uh, uh, from Atlanta put him over the top of Georgia. So. I would say that the percentage of uh, black men who voted for Donald Trump is a lot closer to five than it is to 18. No, no, I think it's a lot closer to 18. I mean, when you bring Monroe on, he'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'll I'll bring him on and we'll have the conversation. I just don't know how you could conceivably get. I I know black men. I just know people because, you know, you're not going to get 100%. Okay. No, absolutely. Not going to get 100%. I so, never said they were going to get hundred percent. I know you. So, but okay. Uh, right. So you're not going to get it. So you're going to get some, you know, just like me, I was born and raised on the South side. You know, Richard Daly was mayor when I was a kid, that kind of stuff. So that's ingrained in me. If I was in, I don't know, uh, Mount Vernon, the way down South in Mount Vernon or something, I probably would think differently. If I was a military person, and I married outside my, uh, my race and I was an integrated, I was in all this segregated Chicago. I would probably think totally different if I was a business owner like Ice Cube or 50 Cent, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Lil Wayne, and I, I wanted some tax cuts, I probably would have voted for uh, yeah. Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? I, I have no doubt, I'll say it again, uh, is that it's closer to 5% or 18, we'll let it go there uh, and move on to other topics because I have a feeling that Mark Sims and I will dis- be discussing. You know what I'm going to have to do, Mark Sims? I'm going to, see, the problem is, it's like uh, the uh, the profile that you just set up is almost poss- impossible to figure out a, a voting result from. You get what I'm saying? Like you're thinking of, you had this one individual in mind uh, a black Stereotyp- man who was in the military. Yeah, stereotypical. Yeah, a black man in the military married a white woman. That's what you have in your mind right there. And I'm like, I don't know where I could look. Oh, wait, to- I, I say that because Cameron, I'm at, okay, I'm not against interracial marriage people, but I'm just saying, like Cameron, who, who is he, the AG down in Georgia? I mean, uh, to Kentucky? The, uh, the, yeah, uh, Kentucky, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Louisville, whatever, Kentucky. Yeah. I think he's married to a white wife. 
I, I would have bet the ranch that the, the gentleman, the African-American black gentleman that ran for U.S. Senate in Michigan. I, I don't know him. I don't even know the guy's name, but I bet the ranch. James. I bet I bet the ranch he's married to the, to a white woman. They people looking it up right now. I'm yeah, not saying <laughs> I think he no, is, I'm by not, the way. <laughs> I'm not saying that's bad. There's probably a lot of people who saw Kamala's uh Kamala Harris's husband uh, for the first time. And they like, what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> especially if you're older. I'm 50 plus. I mean, especially 50 plus because younger generations, they tend not to have the racial hangups as somebody my age or older. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let me ask you this. You remember when uh, Jesse Jr. They, uh, yeah, he, he was. Hey, he told he told every. I'm sorry, cutting you off. He was saying, "Yeah, you got some dirt on me. Come on, y'all got some dirt on me. Yeah." And the Suntimes put it. In, <laughs> they put it on Suntimes. Just <laughs> laid it out on him. Yeah. It was a blonde woman. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it was. I think that was it. Je- Jesse and the blonde was that. Was that the headline? Was that literally the headline? Did they go that far? I can't remember. I really can't remember. And I'm not. I'm not mad at Junior. I, I like Junior. I respect Junior. I'm just saying, it's everything's real. But let me ask you this question. I had this conversation uh, <laughs> with a political operative um, for the Democratic Party back then, around that time, a black man, and he told me that uh, the kiss of death for a black politician is to have a, a white wife. And I didn't buy that. Your thoughts. Yeah. I'm sorry, the kiss of death in the black community. That's, right. black black. That's what this gentleman told me. Right. This was the conventional wisdom back in 2008 yeah. or so around then. Your thoughts. He's right, because it's going, it's going to change. It's going to change in our lifetime. It's going to start changing over time, right? Uh, 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 Kamala Harris is helping that change. Because when we get used to integrate, integrative uh, integration marriages, integrate, you know, all that kind of, we get to used to mixed marriages, all that kind of stuff. It's not so shocking. We can live with it. We, we cool with it. We, we start to embrace it. But it takes time. It may take a generation or two or three, right, for some people. Mm-hmm. But if Barack Obama had a white wife, he would have never become president. Wow. I think you're right about that, actually. All right. Um, I think you're absolutely uh, right about that, Mark Sims. I must concede that point to you. Uh, unless his wife was Lisa Lampanelli. Do you know who Lisa Lampanelli is? Lisa- oh, wait, wait. That's, a, that's a lady who worked for the reader with that name. No, Lisa Lampanelli is a comedian. Oh, there's some lady uh, who works for the reader with a funny name like that. Um, Where's glass? It's a long story. Okay. I don't yeah, that's a whole other. I don't, I don't know who that is. Anyway, all right. Moving off of Lisa Lampanelli. Will not. Uh, I think I'm the only one who knows who she is. Uh, I got these questions that popped in my mind, Mark. You know, I'm big. I love walking. We talk about it all the time. I always go for these walks. I think about things. So there's two questions popped in my mind. I didn't even mention this to you. Get your thoughts on them. First question is this. I'm going to ask everybody this question. In your humble opinion, having uh, experienced lived through this election. Do you think any other Democrat could have beat Trump except for Joey Biden? Um, only Joe Biden. Um, uh, the Bernie bros and the Bernie gals uh, drinking the, have drank a drink in the Bernie's Kool-Aid. And Bernie Sanders would not have won. No. Because uh, Bernie didn't have, didn't have a relationship to get those black votes out. What did, what did James Clyburn say down in South Carolina? What was that line? Uh, uh, we know Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. More, uh, you know, more to the point is Joe Biden knows us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's Pete Buttigieg or uh, J.B. Prisker may run for president in the next few years or who knows. 
you got you got to show the black folks some love. I'm serious, you know, especially black women, of course. You got to build those relationships. It's I mean, it's like you know we we got we got a podcast, both of us, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of it's you know the guests we have is almost every guest I have. I had three of them this weekend, and they're all <laughs> your relationship is that hey you you know uh, uh, Benny J and I know Benny J. Let's do a podcast. So you have to build those relationships, and uh, that's what it's all about. It's all about relationships. Come on. Yeah, I, I've been wrestling with this one. I'm going to ask all my guests this one. I, I don't have a definitive answer. Uh, sometimes I just view it as though there was just a uniform anti-Trump vote. Uh, and that whoever ran as a Democrat, if it was no, Mark's, no, if the ticket no. was Mark and Ben, how about that? No. I'm your vice president and you're the presidential candidate. No, down on the mat, they was doing a, it wasn't even a standing A count. They were about to count him out. And I heard Joe Biden say, hey, don't worry about everybody. When my when I get down into South Carolina with my black people, <laughs> I said, Joe, Joe Biden, crazy. But Joe Biden's been in politics 47 years. He understands how this works. And then Tom Perez and the Democratic Party say, okay, this is our time to get rid of Bernie. Let's go. Flip yeah. the cards over. Like the old game show where you flip the, you literally, <laughs> literally flip the cards over. So you only remember like what's my line. Yes. Tell the truth where they actually flip the cards over. Yeah, they flipped the cards. I barely remember that when I was a wee small child. And so they actually they flipped the cards over and that was it. They had to get rid of Bernie and Biden was the man to do it. Yeah, they wanted to get rid of Bernie. You're right. You're right. They wanted to get rid of Bernie. I know that because I'm a Bernie supporter, and they just want me to shut up and vote for him, uh, whoever they put up as a mainstream. All right, well, here's the second question for you. This is a question I was thinking as I was walking. Would Donnie Trump have lost if there had been no pandemic? Mark Sims. No, uh, no pandemic. Uh, there'll be a second uh, Trump administration. He lost mainly because of the pandemic. It's not bigotry. It's not racism. It's not dog whistles. It's one word. Not even recession. He would have won even with the recession. He the, the name number thing is a it was a pandemic. Pandemic. Remember, even if George, I could be wrong. Even if George Floyd was killed in in Minneapolis the way he was on on the live video, I don't know if you've had the demonstrations. You it would. You wouldn't have had the looting. You would have had a demonstration, but you would not have the looting. The looting and, and, and all the murders in Chicago, the murders are up across the country, especially in black neighborhoods. Uh, Milwaukee, all over. Because it's all pandemic. People just, pandemic is, just, is, is, is pandemic has been bad. Really bad. It's been bad. I, I'm not ready to sign on to that either. And I'll tell you why. Let me just put this to you. I can make the argument, Mark, that the pandemic benefited Donald Trump. I can make the argument that Donald Trump's unique, and I got, that's the most euphemistic word uh, I can have for it. His unique approach to dealing with this life-threatening pandemic helped him with MAGA. When he at the end had those rallies, one after another, and man, I'm almost at the point I was telling Dennis, I got to give the guy props. I've never seen anything like that. He was just, he went all out. He like four or five a day. He knows his people, but the pandemic and then the demonstrations brought out a lot of people who did not normally vote. A lot of people who did not vote uh, four years ago for Hillary Clinton because of the, meaning the pandemic slash demonstrations, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever. They came out. 
You know what I'm saying? What, what did Joe Biden get? He's four or five million votes more than uh, Donald Trump right it, now? It's heading toward five million. I don't know where it is. I haven't looked uh, in 24 hours. Five million. Well, Hillary was three ahead of him. Now he's, and Joe could be almost five. Yeah. Not five. A lot of people came out that didn't come out. All those people in Philly and Detroit. I don't know, but I didn't, haven't heard much about Milwaukee. But a lot of folks who did not come out came out this time because of the pandemic, meaning the slash uh, the, the, the protest. The protest got a lot of people energized. It got Donald's base. Uh, it's like, what's that guy? Overweiss over there. What district? Oh, my God. Overweiss in the 14th. Anytime you're linking Laura Underwood, who seems like a very nice lady, with the riots in Chicago, the, the hordes of black people tearing up Chicago, that's disgusting. That pol- I was hoping that politics would have been totally re- rejected. It might be Lauren Underwood may win that uh, race because that type of politics, I was just hoping this, uh, this Ronald Reagan, 40 years of this rule, Republican Ronald Reagan's uh, Southern strategy going to going to a Philadelphia, Mississippi. I was hoping it was going coming to an end, but uh, and it may have. No, it hasn't. That's that's what leaves me. I I hear you, Mark. It was a great riff. I'm with you 100. Uh, percent To link Lauren Underwood from the suburbs with rioting that took place in Chicago is just abomin- abomination. Uh, Jim Overweis should. There should be something like penalty you have to do. You know what I mean? Like sit in the penalty box like it's hockey or something. Sit down. Let me cut in. I was watching uh, the PBS NewsHour. And this was a month or so ago. I don't know when it was. PBS NewsHour. And they were interviewing people in upstate Minneapolis. I mean, uh, Minnesota. Upstate Mm -hmm. Minnesota. These people were, was one woman especially. She was three hours north of Minneapolis, three hours north, the freaking hinterlands or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and she's afraid of afraid of the rioting in Minneapolis. Yeah, he's three hours north. That's insane. But uh, the Republicans are really good on um, tapping into those fears. A lot of non college, non college graduate, non college uh, European Americans. I like to say, I like to say European Americans more than white. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, they non-college graduates, and they're afraid of, ooh, the black people and the Latinos and the crazy uh, liberals down in, in Minneapolis and Chicago. <laughs> they're going to come to our house and scare us and tear up. It's insane. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to put a, 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 well, before I put the twist on it, uh, yes, Oberweiss was an abomination by linking uh, her to the, the rioting. And yes, when he went to Kenosha with Trump, that was truly outrageous. Uh, but let's not forget here in Chicago, Pat O'Brien, the campaign he ran against Kim Fox, uh, where he uh, his commercial was save Chicago, defeat Kim Fox. And he, too, like, how is it? It's, it's a stretch to blame Kim Fox for the rioting. So ultimately, Mark Sims, we haven't come that far from Ronald Reagan going down to Mississippi to announce, give a speech uh, announcing his presidential campaign and to talking about state rights in the area where uh, three civil rights workers were killed back in 1964 for trying to sign up uh, black voters. We haven't come that far. In fact, I think in some ways we've done a circle. Do you follow me? We've gone through the Obama years and now we've landed and we're sort of right back where we are, uh, where we were uh, a long time ago. I, I, I had a great uh, um disdain for Pat O'Brien. What was your thoughts about the Kim Fox, Pat O'Brien race? I did not know Mr. O'Brien was a Democrat. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, during the campaign, they said, I, I, so he did that Bernie Epton thing, didn't he? Yes, he did. 
and, uh, and most of this town don't even know people because of their age. They don't even know who Bernie Epton is or was. Yeah. Well, I'll just uh, briefly uh, educate you. He was the Republican who happened to be on the ballot uh, when Harold Washington won the Democratic primary for mayor uh, in 1983. And white people in Chicago who've been Democrats their whole lives <laughs> woke up and voted for Bernie. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. You know, I marked mark that Harold Washington was a black man. I'm looking at Dennis on the video here. Dennis, you should have been here in 1983, man. This town went crazy. It was absolutely. Now, let, let, let me go far afield. That's why, you know, you were doing this movie. What was that movie at Aaron Sorkin film? The Trial of the Chicago 7? Yes, sir. You gave it mixed reviews, which is fine. But <laughs> but I enjoy that. I enjoyed the movie for a lot of different reasons. I know because I know it's just a movie, not a documentary. But when I was doing, especially when I drive an Uber, I would drive by the old Conrad Hilton. And the number one thing I'll always say to people from out of town that have been to Chicago, I say, is this the Conrad Hilton? This is Grant Park. This is where the riots were in 1968. I was in, you know, kindergarten, first grade. <laughs> I don't remember much. And I said, of course, the old uh, amphitheater was where the convention was held and blah, 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 blah. And most people could not care. I, I understand because they're, you know, 50 years younger than me, whatever. I don't know. And then, of course, I, I would drive people to the near west side, the gentrifying near west side. Not far from the from the United Center is you can walk from the spot where the United, United Center is to the spot where Mark Clark and Fred Hampton was exa- assassinated, which they talked about in the movie, too. They were assassinated. And I would tell young people, I say, man, this is right down the streets where Mark Clark and Fred Hampton were killed. And of course, then they could not care. This is why you have people vote, even young people vote for uh, Mr. O'Brien over uh, Kim Fox, because they really don't know. And Mr. O'Brien and Donald Trump and everybody else, they play on those fears and that ignorance. Yeah. And uh, the uh, slogan that Bernie Epton adopted was uh, vote for uh, Bernie Epton before it's too late. Oh, hint, hint. That's real subtle. And Pat O'Brien's was uh, save Chicago, defeat Kim Fox. Yeah, you're right. Uh, A disgraceful campaign by Pat O'Brien. And I was happy for that reason that Kim Fox uh, won. Now, one of your favorite themes, love to get your thoughts about this, uh, is I've been uh, I've been apologizing for voters sh- for shaming voters. I've been vowing not to shame voters. But uh, Mark Sims is a big believer in voter shaming. He's been shaming voters for years. Uh, so when you take a look at the fair tax going down, an initiative that probably would have helped the vast majority of people in Chicago, including many who voted for it. What's your attitude about the voters uh, in the state of Illinois, Mark Sims? I'm shocked, but I do understand. I forgot Dennis probably has the paper in front of me. I don't have it in the uh, the Alden Lowry piece. I think they said the people who voted for the fair tax was less than the people voted for Biden. And and, and, and I'm the, hey, what I'm trying to say is this. When I went to vote from home, because I voted from home, (laughs) I voted October 3rd from home. And I couldn't find a fair tax because I'm looking at the damn ballot. I'm looking for freaking fair tax. <laughs> I called some elected officials. I called three or four people. I said, where's the damn fair tax on the ballot? I'm looking at it. Right. And they say food is on the front page. I say, where? <laughs> and so because I'm looking for fair tax, they got this legal ease. And, <laughs> and road and because most of the, the uh, uh, initiatives and uh, amendments, whatever, they in the back of the ballot. So I went to the back of the ballot. It wasn't there. It was in the front. So I was confused. There are, there's probably 10 percent could be the margin that made the difference. 10 percent of the voters. I don't have the numbers in front of me that did not vote for the fair tax because they couldn't find a damn fair tax. Yeah. 
Or if they did find it, didn't know what it meant. So just voted no. Or they just left it alone. They said, I don't even know what that means. You know, yeah. it's legal ease or something. So that was a part, that was a big part of it. But, uh, you know, then again, downstaters and, you know, Ken Griffin's uh, Griffin's uh, 50 million dollars, you know, helped out. Well, you, you know, tax, you know, that means they're going to tax me. Uh, Monroe Anderson had the great line last week when he said yes, he they, they, they're coming for Ken Griffin and the billionaires first, but they're going to come for you second. Yes. Which is I mean, they, they can raise taxes at any time. They can tax your Social Security at any time. So why are you so afraid? And I will tell people, you know, if you're so afraid of taxes, move to Tennessee, please move to a Texas. Eventually we'll turn that, turn those states into blue states and we'll tax your behind down there. <laughs> that's my theory. That's, my, that's the thing I've been advocating. Democrats, you want to take control of the Senate? Democrats, you want to uh, remove the Electoral College? It's a problem right now. Start moving people out of California down to Texas. It is over. You know, I, I mentioned that to a couple of friends of mine uh, this weekend. We were in town visiting very uh, wise, astute political uh, practitioners. And they were like, oh, they laughed because they thought I was joking. I'm like, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's going to happen because I think some of the demographers already projected that uh, I forgot the numbers. Either 70, 75 percent of the country is a big number. 75 percent of the country, something ridiculous, going to live in just like 15 states. And people used to move to Sunbelt when I was a kid because they had central air down there, central air, right? Mm-hmm. And so people moving to, to the Sunbelt is going to continue, it, it, which is fine. For us to have population here, we there's 7 billion people on the planet Earth. They'll, they'll, all you got to do is bring some people over here from the other parts of the Earth and fill up these uh, Rust Belt cities like Chicago, which is fine. But a lot of people will be living in the Sunbelt. And guess what they're going to do down there? Hopefully it has some sense. Tax the hell out the people in the Sunbelt. Uh, all right. Uh, fair tax failed. Doesn't uh, it's Pritzker has been a little grumpy lately, as Dennis points out, because he's going to uh, uh, have to... see Pritz, Pritzker went to private schools. And a lot of us left some of these left wing liberals I hear on on the, on the TV and the radio. They're really smart and they have to talk to regular people. People who didn't get a college degree or uh, dropped out of high school. I mean, just regular for non-college people like myself to explain to us that these policies are in our best interest. I'm talking about people that don't get it. Right? I get it. I'm a, I don't have a college degree, but I get it. But, you know, so Prisker, is a, he's an educated man. He went to private schools, boarding schools, and they got to start speaking to regular folks and say this may seem like it's not in your best interest, but it really is. Because if you don't pass the fair tax, we're going to raise your taxes anyway. And we got to do austerity. It's going to cause more pain and suffering if we don't do it this way. Well, by the way, whatever message she uh, was conveying worked uh, in Chicago and worked in particular in the black community. 82%. No, remember, we're descendants. We used to, we remember back in the day, we used to vote. Younger people didn't, but we used to vote 10, right? We always vote Democrat. I always vote Democrat. Usually straight Democrat. I wish they would bring back vote 10. We just hit the button and you vote for all Democrats and you're out the boot. <laughs> yeah, by the way, yeah, that was the Republicans got rid of that uh, in after 1982. They got rid of punch 10. All the Democrats almost upset Jim Thompson in the 1982 campaign and with just a straight punch 10. I think I punched 10 in 82. Uh, Mark Sims and uh, uh, so Republicans. Oh, we got to get rid of that. In those days, Republicans had a, a significant control of the state house. Speaking of state, significant control of the state house. Mark Sims, your thoughts on Michael Joseph Madigan, Speaker of the House? Should the Democrats get rid of him as party chairman and Speaker of the House? Go. 
Uh, he's so powerful. He's going to leave on his own, uh, his own time frame. I mean, he's, he's super powerful. You know, he's going to leave when he wants to leave. Uh, whether he leaves, uh, bow out, whether he bows out gracefully, gracefully, or he's indicted with something, you know, nothing lasts forever. He's going to be gone. Uh, he's, uh, and then we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I don't even think about that. Michael Maddox can be in charge. He'd been, I think he was in charge when I was in high school. <laughs> uh, not quite. Almost. Damn near. He's been there. Well, how near. long you been there? Since uh, the late 80s? He's been in charge since the late, late 80s, right? Uh, I want to say the early 80s. See? So I said close. Close. I know when you graduated. Oh, he's been there so long. It's like, you know, when he leaves, I'll still think he's there. Let me ask you this. Do you ever hear anybody talk about Michael Joseph Madigan? One way or no. No. <laughs> People got bigger. They, they, they like, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, you always... Uh, criticize people who were born and raised in Chicago. Yes, I do. <laughs> Maybe because we just like, this is the way it is and it's yes. always going to be that way. Remember, <laughs> I think the slave, I'm a descendant of the slaves and the slaves, I think the descendants of the slaves have been free as a group now, you know. Less than the slaves previously were slaves. I don't have the number. Slavery is what, 240 some years and we've only been free for like 150 something years. So it's, and we, of course, I was born and raised under, the, I was, you know, lived under two daily regimes, right? So we, we're just used to things being as they are. When I was a limo driver, I like telling a story, I drove Jeb Bush tr- twice when he was running for president. And I told Jeb Bush, I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton. He said, why? I said, I don't know. I, I don't like Hillary Clinton, but I'm a Democrat. I mean, I vote for the Democratic Party. I don't think about it. I just do. Wow. A little more. You put a little more thought. I know Mark Sims to wrestle with the possibility of voting Republican. No, I voted for Jim Edgar once. For governor. For governor, yeah. You've never voted for a Republican candidate for president ever? No, I started with Jimmy Carter and just went down the line. For a moment, I thought you were, uh, did you feel, you know, Ben, you know, never, never felt a little urge for Donnie Trump. Never felt a little MAGA. Bush. Oh, not Ronald Reagan. No way. No Bush one. No Bush two. Who was else in between them two? I don't know. What about Donald Trump? Did you ever feel any, this like an inkling? I I like Donald Trump, his persona, like a lot of black men. (laughs) They like that. See people. Hey, what did, uh, 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 I like quoting, uh, quoting Clinton. Uh, Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, he says that people and people when they step be fearful and stuff and scared, they want somebody wrong and strong versus weak and right. So I, I used to like that strength, that persona. I bought into the, the the whole Trump thing, and then when he had the TV show, he jumped the shark with me because the black guy was finally going to win. It's always the black guys always get kicked off these reality shows. <laughs> black woman, black man, everybody yeah. hang up on the black person, woman, a man, get him out the show, right? <laughs> That's how it goes, right? And so the black guy was one, right? But he had a, but his, but the set runner up was a blonde white woman, a beautiful blonde white woman. <laughs> and so, and uh, so Donald Trump turned to the beautiful blonde white woman and said, you know, I wish I could have two winners, right? I wish I could have two winners. He just couldn't let the black man have his day, right? He just couldn't <laughs> let the black man win outright. <laughs> and I was through with Donald Trump, man. He jumped the shot. And before, I think before, after he did that on the Apprentice TV show, the what was the old man's name, uh, Dennis? I forgot. Oh, he had the old man, Fred or something. And he had the young woman, uh, blonde, of course, beautiful blonde, Carolyn. They were the side people helping him, right? Remember that? And, and, and Carolyn, the beautiful blonde, was getting so popular 
I think Trump got rid of her and got rid of the old man. Then go to do the show. And so, I mean, so I was like, oh man, Donald Trump is not fair, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I was like, I was through with Donald Trump back then with the with the apprentice. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's uh, ironic that you mentioned that because it's pretty obvious to me that it's because of the apprentice that Donald Trump uh, became president of the United States. So uh, thank you for nothing, NBC, uh, for putting him in that position where he just was in everybody's uh, living room. And you were one of the few people, apparently, Mark, who turned against him from that show. A lot of people came away with the notion, wow, what a brilliant businessman, even though, as we subsequently learned, he was up to his eyeballs in debt. Uh, and uh, was successful largely because uh, he convinced otherwise intelligent people to continue to lend him money or forgive him. But a lot uh, of people, Ben, they never seen a billionaire. I've been fortunate to meet billionaires, right? And billionaires look like Dennis, look like Mark, look like uh, uh, Benny J. You know what I'm saying? They're just regular people. So people think of billionaires like Donald Trump. Most billionaires, are, they, they low-key, low regular people. You would even never know they were billionaires unless somebody told you. Wait, which billionaires have you met? What's the guy who runs the, uh, runs the uh, Dallas Mavericks? What's that guy named? Mark, Mark Cuban. Cuban. Wayne, Wayne Heinzinger and a few other ones. I found out they were billionaires after I looked, looked their names up. It's unbelievable. And then it's regular, it's regular people, you know what I'm saying? All right. Very good. Uh, Mark. So, Mark, uh, when do you think Donald Trump will make his concession? Ever? Uh, you know, it's just, it's just, you know what? It's, it could be distasteful. Who was the guy who just left the, uh, the um, not the Joint Chiefs, the uh, military secretary, whatever that guy named when he just got fired or he left on his own? No, he just got Esper. He just got fired. Yeah. Says something like whoever replaces me over these next, you know, two months is going to be a yes man. And uh, hope God helps us all because it, it, I hope Donald Trump just, you know, I hope he does. I hope he doesn't like drop a bomb or start some war or some stupidity. You know what I'm saying? He may let it, let it, he may pardon himself, a lot of his friends. He may pardon a lot of people, which is cool. If you got some family in jail, I will go to the president's. Hey man, get my peeps out of jail. That's what you do now. Uh, hopefully he's a, hopefully it'd be nice if he's a humanitarian for the next two months and not a complete nut for the next two months. Cause hopefully he doesn't get scared. Hopefully he doesn't, does, doesn't do anything stupid or the military would come in and say, Hey man, we, we that's not going to drop them bombs. Why don't you yeah. choose? Right. Uh, I, I hope that is the case. All right, let's uh, end this on a positive level. Tell folks about uh, your recent interviews, uh, where they can get them and all that good stuff. Well, next time I come on your fine show, I'm going to talk about education. That's my death. Because we're going to get rid of Betsy DeVos and Jill Biden is a uh, college uh, professor. And hopefully we're going to improve education in Chicago and other places around the world. But I had a Atiba Buchanan. That's your friend. Atiba Buchanan. David Seaton. And... Adolfo Mongodron. I can't say his name. I said, it, I said it really good on the show. I, had it, I was telling you know, when I have people on the show, I have on the show do a pre-interview. I said, "Hi, I said Adolfo, man, how you pronounce that name, right, man?" So I can when we start the show, I can do it. But uh, the, they're your guests are wonderful people. I like to have them on the show, and uh, we're really concerned about moving this country forward. It's moving forward, like uh, Kamala Harris being vice president. It's a move forward. You know, Barack Obama's, we're moving forward. It was a time that it was all, when I was a kid, it was all white men running this, you know, the the mayor and the Cook County board and all these offices. Now you have a lot of black men and black women. And now you're going to, soon you're going to have a lot of Latina men, a lot, a lot of Latina women, Latino men 
uh, Latin X, Latin X, all these terms that they, we didn't say when we was kids, right? I didn't even know these terms five years ago. And so things change. And I've seen the demographic changing, and I'm not threatened by it. But there are many Americans are threatened by it, and hopefully we help them not help them. Just, it's okay. The country's going to change. There's going to be all kind of people here. I remember when Barack Obama left the, uh, the White House, I think in his final press conference, he said something to the fact that I'm here now, but there'll be a president sitting at this podium, standing at this podium, and you don't know what they are. You know what I'm saying? Which is good. When I was a kid, I was just a high yellow Negro. Now people see me and they say, what are you? You know what I'm saying? That's great. I may, I may, I'm soon, I may uh, bring on, uh, if it works, I'm not going to say, I can't tell the guests before they get on the show, but I want to talk about that because the things have changed so much in my lifetime. I had to soften up. I had to say, Oh man, I had to understand there's a lot of interracial marriage. I have to deal with that. It's not selling your race out. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, it was this when all the it wasn't as many Mexican people in this town, it, and now it is. It's okay. I'm not threatened like most black men. The Mexicans are taking over. The Mexicans are taking over. Uh, so we all have to do some growing up, and I hope we will as a nation. All right, that's very well put. I've known Mark Sims for so long. I've known this man for so long. I remember him. Yeah, <laughs> OJ. Yeah, we, we won't go that's back. And it, I've softened up. I think OJ may have done it. When, when they have come on now. <laughs> come on, Mark Sims. Oh, sure. I'm going to. When Mark and I are just talking among each other, just the two of us, Mark will be. Of course he did it. Okay. What do you think? I'm stupid. I think I'm evolved. I always say he didn't do it. If he did it, he had some help. Not, not the guy. Oh, my God. That's part of it. That's part of it. He got it. That's the evolution. You know, have to evolve. Maybe OJ is guilty. I got to Yeah, no, first, there's always a stop at his, like, his cousin. There's like, you know, it's like some people, all right, it. bad, it was his cousin. But he was. His son did it, and you don't hear it from his son. Yeah. All those theories. But I'm saying we all have to evolve and soften up some of our positions. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Yes. Uh, Mark Sims, thank you very much. Actually, Mark, I was wondering, uh, would you mind sticking around while we just do these last updates? Yeah. No, I, I was going to listen to the show anyway. Cool. <laughs> I, right. Right. You get, to, you get to chime in. Let's see how you let's see how he improvs. Go ahead. Improv. He doesn't know what we're going to throw at him. All right. Let's here. see how he can improv. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, we have some uh, updates here. First off, uh, we want to remind everybody who's listening right now in the live stream chat. Uh, all throughout this month, we're going to be transitioning over to the Chicago Reader YouTube page. We will no longer be with the Sun-Times, but that's okay. Good news ahead for the Ben Jarofsky Show. We're going to be on the Reader YouTube channel. And uh, throughout this week, we're going to be doing part twos of the show uh, on the Reader YouTube channel to get everybody transitioned over. People who listen on download, no worries. Uh, you'll get the show the same way uh, besides the Sun-Times uh, website. So on the Reader website and wherever else you download podcasts is where you'll be able to find our show. All right, just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, we have breaking news. <laughs> All right, well... Love the bottle. Love the bottle! <laughs> All right, it looks like we have a replacement for Justice Kilbride. A replacement who wow. will later be replaced in the future, keep in mind. Uh, but Justice Robert L. Carter of the 3rd District Appellate Court has been selected to join the Illinois Supreme Court next month, pending the Illinois State Board of Elections proclaiming the results of the November 3rd election. The appointment of Justice Carter is effective December 8th, 2020 and terminates December 5th, 2022, when the seat will be filled by the November 2022 general election. Uh, the Supreme 
Supreme Court has constitutional authority to fill all judicial vacancies. All right, this is breaking news. I'm just hearing about this for the first time, so I do not know anything about Robert L. Carter. I don't even know if Robert L. Carter is a Democrat. I will say this, uh, that it's pretty clear that Kilbride lost. It was a retention election, ladies and gentlemen. He had to get 60% of the vote to be retained. Uh, And the, the same folks, the same folks who financed the vote no campaign on a fair tax financed the vote no campaign on Tom Kilbride. And that's Kenny G and the rest of the gazillionaires in the state of Illinois. And Jim Coogan laid it out there. Now, I don't want to voter shame. I don't want to be like Mark Sims and say how dumb the voters are. But you guys, they said it's, oh, it's Madigan. He's Madigan's man. And all it was was an attempt by wealthy Republicans and the leaders of corporations to eradicate laws that protect consumers and protect the pocketbooks of wealthy people so that the Supremes, the people who render judgment on cases that come before the Supreme Court on product liability uh, matters will will, uh, rule in favor of corporations. Or maybe they'll rule rule that the the laws that uh, protect consumers are unconstitutional. That's what it's about. People in MAGA country go, well, he's, he's Mike Madigan's guy. I, I saw it on a commercial. I thought That's he was, what it was about. I thought he was Mike Madigan's guy. <laughs> Here we go. Prove my point. But that's a, but that's another race that I didn't understand the issues. I had to have somebody like Benny J explain it to me. Somebody like Dennis, that's somebody I can trust, explain it to me. Although he may be Madigan's guy, he's still a good guy for you. Yes. And by the way, Michael Madigan, this is, oh my God, they're going to kick me out of liberal circles. They're going to kick me out. Definitely MAGA won't even, well, they won't let me in. Mike Madigan's been good on product liability issues. Mike Madigan has more. I would take Mike Madigan in a heartbeat as the Speaker of the House over someone like Kenny G, somebody who just wants to screw the consumers, someone who just wants to tilt everything in advantage of corporations. So let's say you buy a faulty product, blows up in your face, you're scalded, and then the they pass a law that says, well, no, <laughs> uh, tough luck. We don't want to hurt the economy. You're screwed for the rest of your life. You're only allowed to get what? I don't know. $50,000, so there's no incentive whatsoever for corp- corporations to make good products. Come on, Mark Sims, you're smart enough to know how the world works. <laughs> you know what it's all about. People looking out for their financial interests, but they can have a boogeyman, Michael Madigan, and MAGA's like, oh, Oh, Michael Madigan's bad. And all these business communities, groups in Chicago, Michael Madigan's bad. Well, when you speak of Mike uh, Mike Madigan, we do have more updates. At this moment, (laughs) there's a giant bus waiting outside for our elected Democratic leaders to jump on board. A bus waiting to roll over our Democratic Illinois House Speaker, Michael Joseph (laughs) Madigan. And after our, well, I said here, well, we're... We got Mark Sims with us right now. Uh, So let's talk about it. Illinois Politico is calling it the biggest open revolt to his leadership in years. With the ongoing ComEd case, where utility giants ComEd admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs to associates of Madigan, and after a handful of Democratic losses in the election, more people are blaming the Speaker and hopping on board the bus. Last week, we had Senators Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth and Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker 
jump on board. And yes, they're in the front seats. Speaker Madigan is currently rounding up support from his colleagues. We have some of their responses coming up. But Ben, we have another Democratic elected leader to welcome on board. Ben, Mark, watch your feet. <laughs> it's Democratic 58th District State Rep Bob Morgan. Uh, Bob Morgan, get in here. That's it. Morgan announced Sunday he will, quote, not support Madigan for speaker under any circumstances. He said, quote, allegations surrounding Speaker Madigan and Commonwealth Edison are extremely troubling, as are previous ones about sexual harassment by top aides. Leadership requires taking responsibility and the pervasive culture of mistrust and corruption in Illinois rests at Mike Madigan's feet. Morgan follows seven other representatives who jumped on the bus and have said they also wouldn't vote for Madigan, who needs 60 votes to hold on to his position. I have more quotes to read here. Now to the Madigan defenders. Yes, there are still Illinois Democrats standing by their speaker. And yes, there's a good chance they hate this bus bit. And uh, last <laughs> time we checked, our host Ben Jarofsky was on Team Keep Madigan. Isn't that right? You're right now. It seems like you're on t- uh, Team Let's Let's Keep Madigan, right? Uh, I keep flip-flopping, Mark. I don't know if you heard this. I, one day I'm for Madigan. The other day, I'm, I'm really all over the map on this one. I Mainly, I just love making the flip-flopping sound. Uh, so. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, though. I know, but look, can you make the flip-flopping sound? No, I can't. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, a personal question, uh, deviating from this conversation. And just pretend nobody's listening. Were you the kind of kid like me? And it's okay to admit that you were who like, you know, found a little secluded place of wherever you lived and had a tape recorder and talked into it when you were a kid. Come on, Mark Sims, fess up. Were you the kind of kid that made like when I said you were an announcer? You talked about that earlier during the show. And I, and I was like, I forgot. I think when I was a kid, we had me and my brothers, we had a reel to reel, like a mini reel to reel tape recorder. Remember, remember those? Bands? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> like Mission Impossible type. Yes, yes. I'm serious. I mean, I, it could be, you know, it could, you know what I'm saying? I, I, it could be delusional, but I remember having something like that as a kid and uh, pretending to be, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I did a radio show at, at uh, IIT. You know, what IIT is uh, yes. the big red building, the big old red building right by 31st Street and the Dan Ryan Expressway. There was a radio station there. I forgot how I got into that radio station because I sure wasn't going to the school IID. I wasn't smart enough for that. And uh, I did a little radio show over the summer, man. That was it was fun. That was that was like Mark Sims, W O U I eighty eight point nine FM Chicago. You got good voice. Anyway, I kind of ducked and dodged, but I know uh, young Mark Sims. I know him because we're like, I see Mark Sims and I see myself. You know, yes, he was in that room. He's a nerd like me. That's right. Yes, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be somebody. Somebody. He was probably doing Jack Brickhouse imitations and Cup imitations and Wally Phillips and Richard Pagee. And they're all the radio stars of the day. We we're all oh, doing that. Hang but, tight, millennials. Uh, <laughs> but wait, going back to what you said, I just want to go back down to the Madigan thing. That Bob Morgan that you alluded to, when you told me this earlier, uh, he's the guy uh, from uh, like the Highland Park area. So it's not that big a deal that he's jumped. I'm surprised it took him this long to get on that. Uh, as I was pointing out to Dennis, that is, uh, what's his name? I just blanked on the dude's name. Oh, boy. Scotty Drury. Drury, that's his name, just came back to me. Uh, Scott Drury, if you remember, he was to stay rap, and he uh, he didn't even vote. For, I think he took a pass on voting to uh, in his last 
opportunity to do so uh, for Megan and for speakers. So, you know, up there, that's like that area where people think like, oh, there's just, I find it so grotesque and personally repulsive that Michael Madigan is actually wheeling and dealing. Like they don't wheel and deal on their own life every freaking day. <laughs> you know, like people got mad at Kim Fox, Mark Sims, because she took a call from a celebrity. Like people haven't called in favors their whole lives. And now you got the tribute. This is outrageous. They, she took a call from a celebrity. I'm sorry, Mark. I couldn't get that upset about it when Kim Fox did that for uh, Jesse Smollett. Well, I think Chicago. Come on. I think you're going to agree uh, maybe with uh, the following quotes we have here. On Saturday, uh, Democratic 29th District State Rep. 1 Thaddeus Jones sent out a statement defending Mike Madigan and reminding his critics what he's done for the state. Uh, let's see here. Thaddeus Jones said, quote, if it wasn't for Speaker Madigan standing up to former Governor Bruce Rauner and his failed policies, there would be no Governor J.B. Pritzker or Senator Dick Durbin or a Democratic majority in Illinois. In 2015, when Bruce Rauner threatened to decimate social service programs and held the state of Illinois peril to attempt to achieve a racist and Trump-like agenda, it was House Speaker Madigan who stood in front of the Democrats and proclaimed that we're in a fight for the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. As a strong Democrat who has faced opposition in every election and at every level, I urge Senator Durbin, Governor Pritzker, and others to stop the blame game and join together to save Illinois from the last four years of President Trump's awful policies. Well, I, I'm with Thaddeus Jones 100% in that defending and uh, thanking and showing gratitude for Michael Madigan and the stance he took against Rauner. But uh, it's pretty clear, I'll have to break from Thaddeus Jones on this, uh, that a lot of people in the state of Illinois have been conditioned to despise Madigan and have a knee-jerk response against him. And since he doesn't defend himself, and he has to rely on Thaddeus Jones and other people like that, or his supporters in the House to defend him, it's really hard to stand behind him. That's why I keep saying, Mark Sims, if he was more like, if he was more Donald Trump-like and stood up for himself, you know, it'd be easier, but he just like issues these little statements, goes back back room and eats an apple. So it's really hard to defend Michael Madigan if he won't defend himself, Mark Sims. And by the way, is Thaddeus Jones your state rep? I think, I, I think uh, Justin Slaughter, I think, is my state. Okay, because Thaddeus Jones is, uh, I think he goes in the south suburbs, students off the top of my head, like Dalton, but he comes into the city, comes into the city a little bit. So uh, anyway, what's your thoughts, Mark Sims? Like I say, who cares about Michael Madigan? He, <laughs> I, I got to watch Netflix, man. I, somebody told me uh, to watch Dave Chappelle and uh, and uh, uh, David Letterman. That was a good show. So I got oh, That check was it. an excellent show. By the way, I, Dave Chappelle. better things to do. Dave Chappelle's stand-up uh, this weekend on Saturday Night Live, excellent. Uh, so, D, yeah, I'm. Uh, I, uh, I a lot of the things that Thaddeus Jones said uh, reverberate with me, uh, but ultimately, you got to look at the fact that Michael Madigan has, has successfully been turned into a caricature by Kenny G and Bruce Rauner and all their monies and millions. And if he's not going to fight that caricature, he's not going to stand up for himself. Then I don't know why the Democrats should stand by him anymore. All right, doesn't sound like you're jumping on the bus, you either, Mark Sims. But no, it'll be outside waiting. <laughs> all right, very good. Thank you much, Dennis. That was a great update, and thank you very much, Mark Sims. The pride and joy of finger high. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I uh, want to say uh, that it was a great show, uh, and I want to say that the show couldn't have been possible without the man, the myth, the legend, 
on Illinois' very own. And as Mark Sims and Thaddeus Jones and Scott Drury will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give us a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.